you're joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Matthew Brown, and I serve as our digital engagement pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're on week three of our series, Eyes on Jesus. Throughout these past few weeks, we've been learning about why we worry and how we can look to Jesus in our times of stress and fear. In today's message, we'll be looking at some of the healthiest ways we can deal with stress while keeping Christ at the center. We're glad you're here. You know, it would not take most of us very much time to think of a stressful situation, would it? In fact, you probably have had some stressful situations just this past week. When it comes to work, maybe you had a coworker who asked something of you that was just almost impossible for you to deliver up on, or you have a client who has a really unrealistic expectation of what you're able to do, or you have a supervisor who's not really clear in the instructions that they are giving you, and so therefore stress ensues in that moment. If it wasn't at work, you probably had a stressful moment at home over the past seven days. In fact, if you have little ones, I realize that just getting everybody dressed and fully clothed here to church on time is a stressful situation, especially in a town where you can't effectively make a left turn. So I realize that that's really hard um, for you guys to get here. Or maybe you were short with your kids this week or your spouse, or you kind of didn't really have nice words for a friend, and there's there's some kind of stress that's happening, and you're just ignoring that stress, hoping that it will get better. And unfortunately, it's not getting any better. It's worse now than it was back then. Or maybe the Titans are stressing you out. And, uh, or yesterday's college football game stressed some of you out. And for some of us, it was a blessing. But for those of you who are stressed out in the room, I understand that sports can have that impact on you. Facebook and Instagram was down for six hours on Monday, and that stressed some of you out. Dare I say, it was the six most beautiful hours of the last decade that we have lived in because we weren't even tempted. We had no, 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 we couldn't even go in actuality if we wanted to. You do not have to think very long or hard about stressful situations. And then you hit rewind back to March of 2020, and you realize kind of overlaying everything in our life right now is seasons of stress, moments of stress with this pandemic. And all of us have been affected in some form or fashion, whether it's physically or emotionally. And dare I say that all of us relate to what it means to just be fatigued. You're just tired, and you're ready for something different. And that's why I believe what we're talking about today is so imperative and so important for us, because when you and I do not turn our eyes to Jesus, but we keep our eyes on the things of this world, what tends to happen in our life? stress increases. The worry goes up. The anxiety increases. But Jesus has a better way. And Jesus does not want us to have our life controlled by these stressful moments, but rather he wants us to give that control back to him. So I'm so thankful that you're here with us this morning. And I want us to pray together and ask God to come and do what only he can do in this place as we seek to be faithful to him in our response to what he's doing in our lives and in response to his word today. So won't you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I pray, God, that you would work in a mighty way in this room and the lives of those that you've assembled in this room. I know that it's not by accident that we're here. And so I know that every person in this room also has a story. And maybe there's something in their life right now, God, that's really stressing them out and really causing them a lot of anxiety. And I pray that they'd be able to give that back to you. And I pray that for all of us, we would be sensitive to the needs of those around us, that we would grow in our ability to love and to care and to empathize with others and to help them realize, God, what it is that your plan is for them. And so thank you, God, for this full, rich, abundant life 
life that you want us to live, and I pray that we would just chase after that today. So thank you, God, for what you've already done and what you're going to continue to do in this place, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. Just this past week, uh, I got to spend some time, our staff got to spend some time with a dear friend of Rolling Hills named Amy Alexander. And Amy Alexander, some of you may know, is the executive director of the Refuge Center for Counseling down in Franklin. And one of the things that Amy has been working with our staff it's just helping everybody kind of in this season that we're in, you know, just making sure that mentally our health is where it needs to be and that everybody's kind of processing through the things that they're, that they're thinking through. And Amy was speaking with our staff, and she said something that, that really uh, stuck out with me so much so that I was like, I've got to work this into the message this week. And what she talked about is that all of us have in our heads what's that little voice that speaks to you. And y'all are shaking your heads because you know what I'm talking about. It's that little voice in your head that kind of helps you interpret things that are happening around you. And some of the little voices in our head goes to the absolute worst case scenario. And for some of us, the little voice in our head is kind of like, ah, we explain everything away. But we don't really have a choice and like our minds just operate that way. And there's this kind of voice in our head that it doesn't discriminate, she says. The voice isn't so much about what happens. But what that little voice in your head does is it kind of interprets for you what's happening around you. And you either go down a path of gloom and doom, and this is the worst thing that's ever going to happen, or you kind of go down a path of, I explain everything away, or somewhere in the middle. And how we interpret what happens around us is directly impacted by where we look, where our eyes are set. Have you ever walked outside and you've left a room with a humidity change and your glasses just fog up? really quickly and you're, you can't see anything or you have a moment when you go with the old school, you know, when they dilate your eyes at the optometrist and you do the old school model of one and you think to yourself, it is not legal. I should not be able to drive right now because everything is just so foggy, but then they clear up and your eyes begin to clear up and you realize, okay, the lenses were really dirty or whatnot and you begin to see everything through its proper filter. If my eyes are only on the world, if my eyes are only on all of the terrible things around me, if my eyes are only centered on the vicious news cycle or the everlasting need to get ahead, opposed to my eyes being on Jesus, what's gonna happen in my life? Stress is going to incrementally keep growing. Jesus says, though, I have a better plan for you I have a better path for you. And so prayerfully this morning, we will see that. Now, I always like to start out my messages by giving you a, a big idea. And it's a big idea of something that I hope to accomplish in this time together. And simply put, what I hope to accomplish today is for all of us to walk away with the reality that complete elimination of stressful situations in life should never be my goal. So if you were here thinking, he's going to talk to me about completely eliminating everything in my life that is stressful, that should never be your goal. Why? Because it's never going to happen. <laughs> Complete elimination of stressful situations in your life should never be your goal. But what should be your goal? Bringing all of your stressful situations to Jesus. Complete elimination of stress in my life, it's never going to happen. But yet, am I willing to bring all those stressful situations to Jesus? And so I want us to look at what 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says, because it directly addresses that. Turn with me to 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. These words are up here on the screen as well. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Let me read it one more time. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So why should complete elimination of stressful situations never be the goal in my life? Because the Bible clearly tells us they're going to happen. Verse 7 says, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The fact that it says all means that it is a foregone conclusion, we're going to have it. 
we're going to encounter stressful situations. But it's not just these two verses. Psalm 34, 19 speaks to this truth as well. Psalm 34, 19 has been a balm to my soul. In fact, the last sermon I lived in uh, New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and the last sermon I ever heard before five feet of water came into my apartment was Psalm 34, 19. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Even people who are seeking righteousness are not exempt from troubles. If I were to have you raise your hands and say, even in a season of trying to live my life to the utmost for his glory, have you been protected from every stressful situation in your life? And the answer would be no. But yet we're promised that the Lord delivers him us from them all. Then there's James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Don't you love this one? Whenever you face trials of many kinds, not if you face trials of many kinds. This is the verse in the Bible that you would love to take just a big black sharpie to and just be like, not today. But you can't do that because it says, consider it what pure joy whenever you go through trials of many kinds. So it's a waste of my time and a waste of your time to stand up here and say complete elimination of all stressful situations should be the goal. But what I do with those situations is what really matters. Now, these verses in James 1, 2, and 3 are really hard for us to fathom because, in essence, what these verses tell us, and you see this here on the screen, what these verses tell us is that every circumstance can lead to a path of stress or a path of perseverance. Every circumstance that you and I face, it can lead to a path of stress or a path of perseverance because it says pure joy, not made-up joy, not let me put on a smile and act like everything is okay kind of joy, but it's pure, true joy at its base level is what I should have whenever I face trials of many kinds. Why? Because those trials produce something in me. They don't produce more stress. They shouldn't produce more stress, but they should produce perseverance and faith and an ability to realize God is in the midst of all of this. When I was a junior in college, I remember this day like I was yesterday. It was the Monday of our finals week, and I was a junior in college, and I was in the university center on the quad on our campus, and it was that Monday morning getting ready for finals week, and I put my backpack in a chair and walked away to do something. When I came back, my backpack was gone. It had been stolen. And uh, nobody around me had seen anything. Nobody could help, and it, it never, never recovered him. And so that little voice in my head started saying, you are doomed, and you're probably going to fail this semester, and you probably should just go ahead and drop out of college because, I mean, you don't have any hope whatsoever. And I kind of had this moment where I thought, I don't really know what I'm going to do. And so I went back to my dorm room, and I prayed. And I would like to say that four years prior to that, that would have been my go-to response, but it wouldn't have been because it was in college when I was discipled. And it was in college when I really began to understand what God's plan was for me. And I had mentors speaking into my life, saying things to me like, take every situation to God and God meets you in the middle of that. And have you ever had one of those moments when you're just needing something from God? And I don't, I don't suggest doing this as a normal practice every day, but do you ever just flop your Bible open and read what happens? And I just literally found a Bible and flopped it open, and it was right on James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. And I read, consider it pure joy whenever you go through trials of many kinds. And it was in that moment that I knew it's going to be okay. And so I went and talked to my friends, and they Xeroxed copies of all the notes. And I went and talked to my professors, and they gave me textbooks that I could read. And I started most of the projects over and got those all hammered out in the course of that finals week. And I tell you that story because what happened in my life was not worst-case scenario. I ended up finishing the semester just fine. 
And I ended up the next year donning a cap and gown and walking across the stage and graduating. So worst case scenario did not happen. But I tell you that story. Why? I tell you that story because you have a story that's so much more significant than that one. Something has happened in your life when you have struggled to know, is this pure joy? How do I find pure joy in the midst of this moment when I feel like the bottom has dropped out? God, how can I consider this joyful? But yet, when I do that, I realize it's the testing of the faith that produces that perseverance in me. You have a story. And if you don't have a story yet, you will. Where God reminds you that I have got this, and you either go down a path of stress or you go down a path of perseverance. And so it's why this text is so crucial. Back to chapter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, something that our English reading does, and again, I've said this for the past couple of weeks on the text because it's really, really important for this series. But sometimes our English reading doesn't really stand up to if you go back and look at the Greek in some of these texts. And so this is one of those cases because English has this as two sentences and really, in all honesty, from, from the Greek language, it's one thought. And so you can, there's nothing wrong with your Bible that it has a period there, but it's actually one thought. And so 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 is really one thought. It's not two separate thoughts. But verse 7 particularly is what's called a subordinate clause. And you guys were like, I am not interested in any grammar lessons, Pastor Jason. But a subordinate clause, simply put, is a clause that cannot stand alone. And so it's a phrase that cannot stand by itself. Let me give you an example of a subordinate clause. His sister got mad at him because he ate the candy. Because he ate the candy is a subordinate clause. If I just say to you, because he ate the candy, you're like, that means nothing to me. His sister got mad. That's the real point of the story. Because he ate the candy, it's the same way here. We look at it as humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and cast all your anxiety upon him, but they really are one thought. So it really is more of this. The big concept is I humble myself under God, casting my anxiety on him, giving the anxiety to God's mighty hand as I humble myself under him. So as I seek to live with humility under him, that's what allows me to cast all of my anxiety upon him. So humility is huge. Humility is huge when it comes to how I handle stress and anxiety in my life. And one of the things that we should take away from this text is you see it there in your notes is that you cannot cast and carry all of your anxiety at the same time. But oh, don't we try? We try to hold on to some of our anxiety and we try to cast some of it up onto Jesus. But yet I can't cast and carry all of my anxiety simultaneously. We try to hold on to certain things that we don't really believe that God can handle because they're really, really important to me, and so I need to handle it in my timeline. But yet these other things that maybe are less important, sure, I'll give that to God. I'll trust him with all those other things. But I can't cast and carry simultaneously. It's like if you go to the airport and you check a bag for your flight, you can't check a bag and 30 minutes later decide you want that bag to be a carry-on. It just doesn't work that way. They don't go dig the bag out from under the plane. You've checked it, and you pray as it goes in that machine that it comes with you to your destination. You should never at work tell somebody, help me with this project, and delegate someone to do the task, and then 30 minutes later come back and say, mm, actually, I'm going to do that, again, because I didn't like the way that you did it. That's casting and caring at the same time, and that's not a healthy way to live your life. 
When you look at that word cast, again, if you go back to the Greek language, go back to verse 7, you look at that word cast, it's only used, that word is only used one other time in the whole New Testament. In the whole New Testament, and it's really not an earth-shattering example like you probably think it's going to be. That word cast is used one other time, and it's in Luke chapter 19. And the backstory of Luke chapter 19 is when Jesus is getting ready for the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. If you were raised in church, you may remember this story from Sunday school, where Jesus gets on the back of a donkey, and they put their cloaks on the donkey, and he rides into town, and the people have the palm branches, and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Luke chapter 19 is where that verse is. And look at Luke 19.35. They brought it to Jesus, that's referencing the donkey, and they threw their cloaks on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. That word threw, or hurl, if you will, it's them taking cloaks and hurling it on the back of a donkey, and Jesus sits on that donkey and rides into town. That word, hurl, or through, is the exact same word that's over in 1 Peter 5, chapter 7, when it says, cast all of your anxiety upon him. So what does that mean? It means that what God wants us to do is he literally wants us to take all of our stress, all of our anxiety, and just drop it on him. Not gingerly pick, what do I trust God with and what do I trust for myself? Or I'm not sure God can really handle all of this stress in my life. No, he wants us to cast it all upon him. Just like disciples took cloaks and coats and just threw it on the back of a donkey. That's how God wants us to handle our stress. He wants us to be all in and say, I want you to give all of that to me. That is what Jesus desires. John Piper famously says that one of the greatest things about the God of the Bible is that he commands us to let him work for us before commanding us to work for him. That is so good. One of the cool things about the God of the Bible is that he commands us to let him work for us before we start working for him. It's why he says, cast all of that upon me. Jesus says, I want to do the heavy lifting. I want to take it all before you go and try to figure this out in your own power. It's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are so crucial. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will do what? He will make your paths straight. When I get involved, it does not lead to straight paths. But when we trust it with God, God is the one who works in ways that we can never ask or imagine. So back to verse 6. Then humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. This probably comes as a surprise to no one in the room, but humility greatly impacts my ability to handle stress. Humility greatly impacts my ability to handle stress. Because what is humility? Humility at a base level, it says, I'm going to run the risk of not getting noticed by anybody else. Humility at the base level is, I'm going to run the risk of not getting all the attaboys and all the accolades and all the awards from everyone else. Humility says, I'm truly going to put the needs of others above my own. Humility says, I'm okay being wrong, and I don't need to make excuses for the things, the mistakes that I've made in my life. I can own them. Humility says, you can keep all the things of the world, and I would rather have Jesus. Humility says, Jesus has done for me what I can never do for myself. I can't be made right in my own power. Jesus is the only one who I can find peace and life through. See, that's humility. And if you and I aren't willing to live a life of humility and realize that God is the one who's going to lift us up in due time, then worry and stress and anxiety is probably always going to be on the rise in our life. And isn't it cool to think about humility? 
<laughs> you can grow in humility. But it's kind of like you have it or you don't. Why? Because you can't go to Barnes & Noble and find, like, the book section on humility. You know, we don't write books about humility. We don't give awards for humility. Why? You know, the January award for humility goes to Janet. You know, Janet's never going to come onto the stage to receive the humility award. It's not something that we reward because it's something that you seek to have. And at its base level is, I don't want to be made known. I don't want to be the center of attention. You know, when's the last time you went to a friend and said, you know, I'm really being humble and nobody's noticing it. (laughs) Nobody is commenting on how humble I am. So you would never say that or you shouldn't say that because it stands in direct opposition to what humility actually is. But according to the Bible, humility is the secret sauce. Humility is really where it starts to life looks a lot less stressful and a lot more peaceful. And God's word tells us that as we humble ourselves under him, he is the one who who holds us up in due time, and then we cast our anxiety up on him. But guys, I'll be the first to tell you, it is as normal as that sky is blue today for me to not want to be humble. And it is so normal for you as well. Why? Because it takes courage to be humble. It takes courage to say, you know, these things happen around me are really not about me. And I really am not the center of the universe. So I can only be humble by casting all of that anxiety up on him. You may recall if you were here last week, we looked at Matthew chapter 6 and where Jesus gives us this text about don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow worries about itself. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Who was he speaking out against in the Sermon on the Mount? He was speaking out against the religious leaders and he was speaking out against the Pharisees. He was speaking out against the most intelligent people of the day because what were the words that you would use to describe them? They were arrogant, they were condescending, and they were know-it-alls. And Jesus said, don't be like them. Rather, be like me, who did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage, but he made himself nothing and took on the very nature of a servant and humbled himself in obedience to death on a cross. Jesus says humility is what you have to have in order to really see that stress decrease in your life. Have you noticed that the more arrogant you become, the more stress that tends to follow in your life? I truly believe one of the most game-changing things that you and I can do to combat stress in, our, stress in our life is to humbly serve another person. Because when you serve another person, what happens? You begin to realize you're not the only person going through something. When you serve another person, you realize, I'm not alone in this. There's actually someone else that has encountered and endured the exact thing that I am going through. When you begin to make yourself the center of your own universe, if you'll pull out a little notepad and you'll write a note to somebody else and put a stamp on it and send it in the mail, it just teleports you outside of yourself for a minute. And it helps you realize, you know what? Everybody in this world is going through a battle. And everybody's going through a struggle. And what can I do to encourage them and to help them? When you put others first, see that little voice inside of your head says, the whole world's not out to get you. (laughs) Not everybody's out there to make your life miserable. Serve people, love on them. And interestingly enough, when we do that, we should not be surprised that the worry just tends to stay at bay. 
So don't underestimate how valuable it is to serve another person. This morning, I want to introduce you to Alina Magdaluk. And Alina is the executive director of our work in Moldova. And Alina is one of the most humble leaders that I have had an opportunity to work with and to get to know. And as Alina's making her way to the stage, I want you to see some, po- some photos and some videos of the work that's happening with Justice and Mercy International for those of you that may not have familiarity with this organization. Take a look. taking a few minutes to share with us today. So for those of you that have never met Alina, Alina, and you may have not met some of the folks in the room, tell us a little bit about yourself and what about the work in JMI and your team there and uh, about all that's happening in Moldova. Um, so good to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Alina and this is my husband Vlad. Um, and we work for Justice and Mercy Moldova. Uh, right now we have uh, 39 people on staff and we're looking for one more. Um, at present we have about 70 teenagers and young adults in our transition living program and over 800 sponsored children uh, all over Moldova. Uh, Moldova is a very small country, very poor, and this is why um, COVID was hard on us, I guess, just like on everybody else. Yeah, so uh, 40 people, basically, that Alina leads in Moldova, 70 uh, teenagers that are in our transitional living programs, and in in case you did not catch the magnitude of this orphan sponsorship, 800 kids that are under the care uh, of direct uh, of support from you as sponsors and you that help invest in, in these children and write letters to them and provide the gifts and the food bags and all of those things. So uh, Alina's work and her team's work is so significant. And I, I just I want you to share with the, them, Alina, how the difference that the church has made. And whether that's Rolling Hills or all churches that has made with your all's work in, in Moldova and why that's been significant. Um, you know, the, the work that char- church has made was tremendous. You know, we have not seen anything like that before. We helped those uh, 800 children before, but when COVID started, it became so scary. Um, it became so poor. And this is why um, Rolling Hill stepped in. And, uh, you know, when people were calling us and asking for help, for food, for medicine, and we didn't have the resources. So this is where Rolling Hills, they gathered the resources. They sent them to us so that our staff um, had the opportunity to deliver them door to door to every person who needed them. But also more than that, we felt your prayers and we felt the support. I cannot tell you how many encouraging messages I got and how many people prayed for us and um, Zoomed with us and how important that was for us to feel that we are one big church family no matter how far we are from you and you are from us. Yeah, 
Well, and isn't it amazing, church, that um, you may have not known that you were a part of this story, but you're a part of this story. You're a part of JMI. You're a part of those 800-plus kids that are sponsored, and it's because of your generosity. It's because of your investment, and I look out in the room, and I see sponsors out there, and I know specifically that some of you um, are sponsoring uh, children in Moldova or sponsoring pastors in the Amazon like uh, my wife Jacqueline and I do, and I've had a chance to travel and see and see this work in person, and it's just so incredible, and if you want to be more a part of the story, I'll tell you what, today is your day. Because if you want to be more a part of the story, there is no better person than to stick around after the service and talk to Alina and say, how can I be more involved? How can I be more invested about what's happening in Moldova? But uh, Alina, on a, on a really personal level, just with you, I mean, we're talking about stress today. How have you seen, um, you know, when you serve and when you serve with humility, as to which you do, she's not going to say that about herself, but I will. You serve with such great humility. Um, how have you seen that? in terms of serving, kind of really help your stress stay down? Um, you know, at the beginning when COVID just hit in March of 2020, honestly, all of us were very stressed. So we um, made some tests on our staff and we figured out the psychological level of, st of stress and that was tremendous for some people. So what we started doing more, we started Bible studies through Zoom. Mm -hmm. We started praying more and we could just feel his peace um, with us. So that was one of the first things we did. But also we realized that this is the time to serve. Mm -hmm. we, all our lives we were prepared for the time as this. When everybody else preferred to stay at home or was afraid or didn't have the resources, the, you know, the means to help. So that was the time. And even though at times it was scary, God gave his peace because we knew that there were, there were hundreds and hundreds of people who needed the help, and not just financial. We had uh, Bibles delivered, we prayed with them. They needed hope, you know, they needed support mm -hmm. that we could offer. So uh, this is so humbling to know that you are just a small instrument in God's hand, and using you, he's writing a wonderful story that will change, you know, the lives of people and hopefully grow his kingdom. That's right, and I know I heard Alina say before that the work of Justice and Mercy International in Moldova, it's not her work, it's God's work. And the work at Rolling Hills is not my work or your work, it's his work. And so he invites us to be a part of that. So Alina, thank you on behalf of all of us for accepting that invitation and saying yes to Jesus. He has used you tremendously and we're just so thankful for you and Vlad and praying huge prayers of blessing over you. So I'd love you to give Alina a big round of applause. Thank you, Alina. You know, when I look at... Um, uh, and, and see the faces of people like Alina and Vlad and Sarah and Magna, who are our national directors in Amazon. When I see these faces, I see Jesus. Because these are humble servants who have invested their life in a, a ministry that's so much bigger than them. And in their own power, I know that they are completely incapable of doing what God has called them to do. But when they give it to him, isn't it cool to see what he does? And the same can be said of us. And I think the same is said about stress. The same can be said about anxiety and worry and all those things in our life. When we give it to him and we hurl it up on him, so to speak, isn't it cool to see what happens? And when we look at Jesus as our example, hopefully we begin to kind of take a play out of that playbook. Because look at Jesus' life. I mean, Jesus' life could have been marked with stress. Let's just be real. I mean, his life could have been marked with stress, but it was marked with peace. I mean, think about it. I mean, Jesus had the toughest job description that a human has ever had. He was taking the cross. He was going to the cross for the sins of all humanity, both present and in the future. 
I mean, Jesus had constant demands upon him. There was always somebody tugging at the hem of his garment. <laughs> there was always needy people. I mean, Jesus literally would part the sea of people who were always bringing those needs to him. And I'm sure those needs were not coming at the most opportune times in Jesus' life. I mean, there was always people out to get Jesus. From the age of two, he had a bounty on his head. And people were trying to stop the message. There were numerous critics with Jesus. I mean, Jesus' own family would watch him commit, would watch him perform miracles, and they would snicker over here in the corner. Yeah, he's probably been drinking. Jesus was constantly with people who were divided, who were against him. And ultimately, he took on the cross for the salvation of our souls. And yet, instead of stress, he had peace. And so if we seek to follow Jesus' example... May we look at every situation through his eyes. That's why this series is called Eyes on Jesus. That when we keep our eyes on him, it helps us to understand how we navigate through all that is in front of us. But let's also not diminish the fact that it's going to take some work on our part. We cast it up on him, but what is casting? Casting is a verb. It's an active word. I have to hurl that anxiety upon him. I have to keep that stress at a base level in my life, meaning that there's steps that I have to take. And what you will find is what you see here on the screen, is that you will rarely stress less without intentionality. Do nothing over the next year of your life and talk to me about how your stress level is. If you leave everything to its own devices, you're not going to stress less, but you will stress less if you have intentionality in your life. So very practically, I want to conclude our message today by just looking at some steps that we can take. What are some practical steps that we can take to go from this place to see stress go down in our lives? And I gave you three blanks there, and perhaps at some point this week, you don't have to fill in the blanks with what I say, but whatever it is this week that God's stirring in your heart, maybe what are those specific steps? Say, these are three things that I can do this week to help stress in my life decrease. One of the first things is I would encourage you to talk to someone. Talk to someone. Don't shy away from community. Don't shy away from connections. And whether that's a friend or whether that's a pastor or whether that's someone who can help you or perhaps it's someone who is trained to help you. Maybe it's a counselor. It's a therapist. I do not ever want to stand up here and make you think that that is a stigma. It is not a stigma at all to go talk to someone. In fact, you should go talk to people. You should open yourselves up, and you should open yourselves up to people who can help you, especially if you've gone through some really traumatic things in your life. And you're wondering, how do I process through that, through that? Find someone to talk to. And, of course, rest and Sabbath. Have you noticed that the less I rest, the more I stress? When's the last time you made a good decision when you were really tired? Margin and pace, we run at kind of a breakneck speed, don't we? And when's the last time you made a good decision when you were running late? Nobody makes good decisions on I-65 when you're 15 minutes behind. When you have no margin in your life is when you tend to make really poor decisions. But we tend to think that busy is better. Busy is better was never Jesus' mantra. We tend to think that more is better, not according to Jesus' mantra. It's, it's, It's better to have rest and peace because lest we forget, Sabbath wasn't just a good idea. Sabbath was a commandment. That's why Matthew 11, 28, and 30 is a verse that we should seek to take to heart. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is rest that's available for you today in Jesus. Maybe one of the steps that God's asking you to take in your life is to go into what I call a social media detox. Monday was nice. Some of us were clawing back into it, though, because it just, it's consumed us. Did you know that the average person spends 145 minutes a day on social media? 
That's average, meaning some of us are less, some of us are more. When you break it down into its age segments, 16 to 24-year-olds spend upwards of three hours plus a day on social media. It's sad. Because what happens out there, and I'm not saying that it's all bad. I mean, I'm going to have some posts today. So I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm not saying that you have to completely eliminate it. But what tends to happen if it's not kept in its proper context is you spend hours scrolling, comparing yourself to everybody else's perfectly curated life. And it's an exercise in futility that we can never, ever arrive at. Maybe for you it's physical activity. There's something physical that you need to do to kind of get your heart pumping, to get the blood flowing so that you realize that stress levels can go down in my life. Maybe it's daily time with God. You don't have that practice of spending time every day in God's Word or spending time praying every day, and you've got to just say, God, I've got to carve out time for that. And I realize that life is busy, and maybe you say, you know what, I don't have time for that. Well, I gave you 145 minutes in your schedule back. Just a little bit less of this. We'll free up some time for us to uh, do this. That didn't fall so well as I thought it was going to. Um, But at a base level, it's people. One of the most stressful, one of the main ways that we can de-stress our lives is to have a connection with people, to be connected with one another, to not go through life alone, to not go through life, to not just leave this place and never speak to anyone to not just leave this place and ask someone else how they're doing or to ask somebody else if you're struggling to pray for you or to, to share with a prayer request or whatever the case might be about something that's going on in your life. Just stay connected with people. And so I hope this week you'll reflect upon what are some of these steps that God's asking you to do to deal with that stress in your life. Now, why does all this matter? All this matters because Jesus has a better life for us. And a complete elimination of stress is never your goal. But rather, how do I bring all those stressful situations to him and trust him in the midst of it? So I want to pray for you. Pray that God would give us all the vision to to go out of this place today and to live how he's called us to live. So Lord, thank you for this time. I thank you for every person who's assembled here today. And I thank you for what you've taught us through your word. And I thank you for what you've spoken to us through uh, just in our hearts. And I thank you for maybe it's that still small voice in our head right now that's helping us to kind of understand some truth for the first time. And I pray, God, for the person who's far from you. I pray for the person who's struggling, who's really under the weight of the stress of the world, that you would give them exactly what they need right now to trust you, God, and to grow in you. So thank you, Lord, for what you've already done and what you're going to continue to do as we respond to you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and that we ask all these things. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.